It's Saturday, September 23rd, 2006. Welcome to the Candid Frame. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of the Candid Frame. Uh, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Um, first off, I want to thank everyone who uh, sent a, a real kind message to me regarding the, the last episode in which I discussed my own personal work. Um, it was very nice to get that kind of feedback. The show was originally intended just as a, as a filler because of the technical problems I had with the last couple of interviews, but um, the response that I got uh, was very encouraging. It was great to hear that um, something that I just felt was just that I was just doing in passing uh, resonated with so many so many listeners listeners out there. So uh, thank you very much for uh, for all the kind comments. Uh, I'm not going to do that uh, very often. Maybe do it every once in a while, but uh, I want to stick to doing interviews of other photographers because I I feel that uh, um, everyone out there has something very interesting to say, and oftentimes they just don't have the form in which to say it, and uh, that's one of the reasons I created the show. So, um, just got back from uh, Redmond, Washington, where I was participating in uh, the Better Photo Photographic Summit. Um, I teach a couple of photographic courses to betterphoto.com, and this was sort of a combination of a business meeting where uh, a good number of the photographers that teach up there got together and we discussed um, the past and the future of Better Photo. But uh, also, there was a uh, two-day seminar in which a lot of the photographers uh, made presentations on different aspects of photography. Uh, there was a lot of how-tos, and and uh, it was just it was a great two days. And uh, what was really amazing for me personally was just the fact that I was surrounded by these amazingly talented and generous photographers. Um, I had been familiar with their work largely as a result of my participation in the organization, but a lot of others I had known for the last several years, at least over the phone and online, uh, just because I've dealt with them uh, through my role as associate editor at, uh, at, the ma- at the magazines. But this was the first opportunity for me to meet some of them in the flesh, and it was an amazing group of people, not just because they are very talented photographers, but also because they were incredibly generous. Usually when you get a group of artists, particularly photographers, together, there's a lot of ego jockeying that happens, a lot of competitiveness, and uh, that really wasn't the the case here. Um, It was an amazing supporting uh, environment, not only for the instructors, but I think for the students as well. Uh, I've attended a lot of these sort of big uh, photographic workshops and and touring things where, where you have all these professional photographers um, speaking and sharing their knowledge with uh, with hundreds of people, and oftentimes there's a sort of a hierarchy that happens where you know the the godly, all-knowing photographers are are up on this pedestal, and then the rest of us are sort of you know sort of at, at, at a distance. And uh, that wasn't the case this weekend. There was a real, real fun, uh, invigorating interaction between the students and and the teachers. Um, everyone was mixing around, and there was just it was just nice to to have an opportunity to be in a, an environment like that where you have both professionals and enthusiasts able to just mix it up and talk and hang out 
And uh, I have to commend uh, the people at Better Photo, particularly Jim Motke and Denise Motke, for um, one, including me in that in that in that group, but also for creating an environment where both teachers, photographers, and students can really kind of thrive. And uh, that's great. So if you haven't checked it out already, I suggest you do at uh, BetterPhoto.com. But um, as I said before, I left there. Were, I was hoping to do a couple of interviews up there, and I did uh, manage to do uh, uh, two, uh, the first of which you'll be listening to in a few minutes. Um, I've, I'm going to make arrangements to interview a lot of the photographers that I met up at uh, at Redmond uh, in the coming weeks, as well as mixing it up with some of the photographers that I'd already arranged to interview before I had left. Um, but the first interview I'm going to be doing is with... Um, British photographer Bruce Smith, and Bruce is really interesting. He's a he's a fashion photographer, a beauty photographer based in Liverpool, uh, who's been shooting for well over thirty years, and he's gone to locations all over the world. Um, he's probably photographed some of the most beautiful models and people that you can think of for both editorial and commercial and and, and fashion work. And when a lot of people think about fashion photography they think of course of all the the beautiful models and all the exotic locations which is no doubt a a big part of this type of photography but Bruce brings a a real sense of the importance of the business end the professional end of creating uh, creating that kind of work and the importance of professionalism not only to create create a, a good image but also to allow a photographer to to create a career that lasts 5, 10, or in Bruce's case, well over 30 years. So it was an interesting time uh, having a chance to talk to him, and I think you'll enjoy the interview. So with no further delay, here's our interview with Bruce Smith. So thank you for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. It's been crazy this last couple of days, trying to squeeze in time to interview people. It's been a challenge, but I really appreciate you doing it. You're more than welcome. Good fun. So if I'm hearing your conversation uh, over dinner yesterday, yeah. it seems like you started your auspicious career by getting fired from your... Yeah, a few times. <laughs> a couple of times. Um, uh, I think just a, a circumstances, sequences of events. Yeah? But I'm a believer that actually they all lead you in a certain direction. It wasn't right for me to be there, you know. Yeah. But I learned something there. <clears throat> I think it's... Um, uh, uh, I, I like to lay track down, you know. And uh, the beginning of the situation was about uh, laying down a little track, you know, but not necessarily having any set distance to travel along. And uh, uh, I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot from getting sacked. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, But I did realise that it wasn't right for me because I was bored. I was burning sheets of 5.4 film and 10.8 film because I was bored, you know, uh, looking at plates and pots and pans and stuff, so... But you knew what you wanted to do, so you opened up that little studio behind your uh, brother's yeah, um, uh, hair salon. I didn't necessarily know exactly what I wanted to do, but it was like um, uh, that seemed like a, 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 a an opportunity. My brother had a hairdressing salon, and I wanted to do photography. And I talked to him about it, and he said, "Well, they've got this little space behind the shop; you can set it up." But I'm talking tiny. You know, you're talking half the size of this sort of hotel room. So. Um, uh, but I painted it and decorated it and got my lights and sort of set up a little studio in there. Uh, I had to photograph some you know, people with sort of faces like this, and you know. Um, uh, but again, I wasn't happy because um, uh, there was no sort of it was a challenge, you know. 
weddings and portraits and things. Right. Good learning ground because you're actually again you're you've got a two hour sort of period to get fifty fantastic pictures done. And so it's good training, you know. And uh although nowadays I probably I don't know, I look at wedding photography and portrait photography and things all as we I'll put little marks on that because it's like a um it doesn't have the the, the, it doesn't have the sort of deep passion for me. It doesn't have the uh, the sort of the challenge, the travel, the exotic places, the um, the fascinating people. Yeah. Well, working with the public is a sort of um, uh, and it's limitations. It's got a it's got a narrow sort of expectation, and also you've got the sort of, your portraits that you've been doing has been, has been sort of started up because of a because of a passion. Um, uh, and shooting your poets and your writers and things was uh, um, a nice way to do it because it's voluntary. You're not going out under any pressure because you're not being said, well, I'm, yeah, I'm charging for this. You know, people say, oh, I want my portrait and it's 50 quid or whatever, you know. Um, so there's no pressure on you. So you've got that freedom. But as soon as somebody walks in, you're under pressure. If they're paying for it. And you don't necessarily have the freedom. So you have to fit a product together for them, mm-hmm. like a little package of an expectancy that they may have. Um, but doing free portraits like you've been doing it's fantastic. When I was doing that, it'd be slightly different. But when you're doing it to make a living, it's like harder, you know. Well, when 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 did the moment come for you when you realise, oh, this is what I want to be doing? Uh, a local hairdressing salon, uh, a friend of my brother's, he was uh, preparing for the Weller competitions. They have these big hairdressing awards okay. things at the end of the year, and usually the big, um, the companies like Weller or Goldwell or whatever. Is. I mean, you, I guess you've got the, the same sort of people here. They have their annual event where all the hairdressing salons or all those stylists can uh, submit their uh, other photographs or they can actually do a, like a contest thing where they, you know, you know it's the last, right. I think the last competition, the last final for it, they're usually doing something like dressing hair out on stage. So, But the earliest, the earlier, um, what do you call them, the earlier heats for these things, they send in photographs and they get judged by the photographs. And this guy was amazing at doing plaited hair. Um, uh, like a like almost like a weave, you know, cane weaving, mm-hmm. you know, this sort of French cane oh, weaving yeah. and stuff. And he'd done this sort of hair. I think he'd done two girls, and they were very beautiful. <laughs> they were lovely, you know. Um, but he made these sort of woven things to go over their faces, and, and just amazing. You know, I photographed these for this guy, and uh, and then you realise that there's another, there's more to photography than taking pictures of you know kids and. Uh, family portraits and weddings and things. There's another, you know, another um, broad field out there. There's so many different disciplines. There's so many different sort of directions you can go in. I enjoyed it. You know? And uh, I think uh, at the time, I think I was. Uh, I then started doing some pictures of models and stuff, uh, test pictures for the local model agencies. Okay. And, um, and that sort of broadened. First of all, it was in my hometown of Liverpool, and then it, from there, it sort of extended to the agencies in Manchester. And then I thought, well, I actually wanted this to go further. You know, I wanted to sort of make more out of this because I was excited by it, obviously. You got your pictures are more exciting, you're uh, working with pretty people or whatever. I don't know what the sort of final reasons about it are. Uh, or I didn't quite discover what the sort of final reasons were at this point in time. Um, uh, Whose work were you looking at at the time that, in terms of uh, oh. influencing your um, way of taking pictures of, of these people? Uh, people like... Um, People like Horst P. Horst, people like Afton. Um, uh, David Berry, probably does um, yes and no. He was a sort of uh, probably in the, the throes of his change from being a, 
a leading fashion photographer to being a, a, a home name. Um, uh, the adverts for Olympus cameras came out, and David Bailey was the photographer that was the guy they used for the campaign, which made him a public name. Prior to that, he was just a... Well, he wasn't just, he was a brilliant fashion photographer and very, very high up in the, the scale of uh, um, pedigree. Um, but he became a but he became a ha- yeah he became a he became a sort of family household celebrity name you know who the think you are David Bailey was the strap line <laughs> of the advert you know and the guy said well yes I am David Bailey get out of here look at the camera you're using sort of stuff you know Olympus trip I think mm. it was you know um, but uh, uh, the classics I like the classics uh, I like the sort of the romance of it I like the line of it you know. Um, at the time, I was looking at uh, all the fashion magazines and thinking, oh, I could do that, I could do that, I could do that. So I thought, well, I'll start doing more tests and things. Um, anyway, the sort of, uh, I'll look at some of the, the sort of key elements, the key areas of, sort of big changes that happened. <coughs> um, uh, I was in a nightclub, local nightclub to where I lived, and there was a very, 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 very beautiful girl in this nightclub. She must have been 5 foot 11 tall. And uh, she was... She had this exotic look about her. She, uh, uh, Spanish and English mixture. Her, her mum was Spanish or her dad was Spanish or whatever, but it was a uh, mixture. You know? So she had this, I don't know, just divine look about her. And she walked around this club like a panther, you know. Um, I approached her. I said, uh, I'd like to photograph you. And here's my card. So I gave her my card. And she said, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, you know. And I went away. Um, this reminded me of the situation you were talking about, about you know, approaching somebody, you know. And you'd psych, it takes a lot of courage and, uh, and you get the sweaty palms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you, you, your voice goes, and what did you say? You get a little like Jerry Lewis. Yeah, you're yeah. from being Clark Gable <laughs> to Jerry Lewis by the time you're in my Anyway, I approached her and nothing happened, you know. The phone didn't ring. I thought, oh, well, there you go, you know. I'm not going to make a fool out of myself again and ask anybody ever again. Sort of. Well, it didn't, no. It crossed my mind, you know. Uh, I can't remember what the sort of time period was, but I was in a model agency called Tiger's Models, and I was doing their pictures for their models for their portfolios and for their head cards and um, what have you. This is before the internet, by the way. So, um, And uh, anyway, I'm in the agency for a casting one day, and of course all the models are all coming in with their portfolios, and in walks this half Spanish, half English panther, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name was Angela Saron. Um, and it's like the face, a little sort of look across the room going, you know, <laughs> uh, and it was just like a little realisation thing. Anyway, she, uh, I can't remember if I walked over to her or she said something to me or whatever it was, but we started talking and she said, I am so sorry. She said, I didn't, you know, I just thought you were just some other you know, wacko or whatever they call it that wants to take pictures on me or whatever it is, or I don't know, there's a... There's people out there that say, oh, I want to do your pictures and mm-hmm. take your clothes off or whatever it is. You know? um, uh, anyway, we arranged to do a test shoot. And um, uh, I was looking around for clothes for it. And I thought, well, where am I going to shoot it and stuff? And I started sort of planning for it. I didn't, well, I'd not set anything up like this before. I'd done sort of pictures of models that arrived for, the, you know, for their tests and stuff. But I hadn't gone to the extent where I was going to... It was serious. This girl was very, very lovely. And I thought, you've got to do the best with her. You know, make a big yeah. effort because, you know... Uh, and especially under the circumstances of the way we'd met and the process. Because it became a little bit more of a... Uh, not a destiny thing, but it became a little bit more of a... You know, coincidence, things that clicked into place mm-hmm. at the right time. It wasn't right the first time, perhaps I wasn't ready or whatever it was. 
Um, so uh, I uh, made some phone calls to try and find a designer with some really nice clothes to wear for her. And I came across this uh, lady called Helen Anderson. And uh, uh, she had ball gowns, you know, that were period ball gowns. Well, they looked like they were from the 1950s. Again, now, when I'm looking back at the people that I admired, the Terence Donovans, the Horst P. Horst, Cecil Beaton, mm-hmm. um, uh, these names that were sort of the gods of photography when I was a when I was a kid. You know, I have no idea who they are today, but oh, it's a different matter. Um, and um, uh, I phoned her, and she said, "Yes, please come on in." Um, uh, and I actually went down to her house. Actually, and I showed her my pictures and said, "Look, I've got this model. Her name's Angela Saren." Uh, we can, we're organising a test shoot together and I'd really like to borrow some of your clothes. And she said, well, it's funny you should say that, but here's another coincidence. I actually have Angela Saren booked for my next collection the week after next, oh. okay, but with a different photographer. And I'm thinking, oh, well, never mind. Um, but she was still going to lend me clothes, sort of stuff. Um, and a little bit further on through the sort of, uh, not the interview, but the, you know, the talking with her, she said, well, I'd like you to shoot my collection instead. With Angela, so what I was trying to set up as a test became uh, a job, okay? <laughs> and it was uh, flattering, nervous, and um, uh, I you never turned down an opportunity. Well, no, not at all. You know, I always faced it with 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 challenges with these opportunities. Every single job that I ever do, I go into it. With a, it's fresh and it's new, and I get excited by it and nervous about it because I'm on a be performing, you know, and if you. And it's not like stage fright, but it's certainly, you know, the feelings. You've done it mm-hmm. yourself so many times. Every time you're shooting something different, you don't know them, you know. Uh, and you're going round to the houses and you've got, to break a, you've got to break a barrier. So every job that you're doing, it's the... waving hands. It doesn't make a noise. You know? <laughs> um, uh, it's a new challenge every time. And I get nervous about it, you know. And conscientious about it because I think, oh, I might mess up on this, you know. And it doesn't matter how many times you shoot, you think, well, I might mess up on this. And... Uh, but, but faced with the challenges, you always come back with the goods. And, I mean, doing my sort of work is, um, you're not always in control of it, you know? And one of the things about doing the kind of work, I mean, a lot of people look at it, yeah. and a lot of people fixate uh, uh, about the, the women, how beautiful yeah. they look. But yeah. a lot of that is driven because it's yeah. not so much about the girls, but it's the clothes that they're wearing. That's that's really yeah. what's paying the bills. Yeah, I thought a little of the little story around that, actually, about, you know, it's not just the girls, it's the clothes. I mean, I can remember many, many years ago showing my mother these little test pictures that I was doing. And... Um, uh, I'm at this time thinking, well, I'm a little fashion photographer, you know, thinking I'm not getting good about this, not getting complacent about it, but you know, it's like you're talking to your mum who knows nothing about photography, mm-hmm. but she's got a lot of ideas about what life's all about, you know. She's grown up and she's seen, you know, fashion's changed. She's been a fashionable person in her time and stuff. And, well, she's still a fashionable person now at 76, you know. Um, uh, but I'd show her my work and she'd say to me, well, they're nice pictures, she said, but they're just pictures of pretty girls, you know. They're not really fashion pictures. And I'd go, what the do you know sort mm-hmm. of stuff you know I'm a little bit insulted by it but I'd come away when I'd think about it you know and I'd start looking at my pictures and go well actually she's right you know they're pretty pictures of pretty girls nice pictures of nice girls mm-hmm. nicely lit or whatever it is or but pictures of pretty girls because my focus was on the girl yeah because of obvious obvious reasons it was nice to work with a pretty girl and mm-hmm. you're focusing on taking a picture of a pretty girl and not necessarily understanding what fashion photography is all about because it's a different, it's a different thing. It's a different dimension. Your model is your prop. She's there as a, to 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 
enhance and help and make the shapes that you want but at the end of the day it's a fashion picture and it has to sell the garment or sell the lifestyle that the garment has um uh anyway i started to listen to my mum a little bit or remember what my mum had said and when i did the job for helen anderson i had this in mind because it became a bit more serious it wasn't just a little test picture it became a job that this client was going to use the pictures were going to be published the pictures were going to be on her um, she sold her gowns in places like Harrods you know? oh, yeah. and um, on this, around the pillar where her clothes would be on a rail were these, going to be these pictures so they had to be fashion pictures not pictures of pretty girls so uh, it was a little bit of a uh, again a challenge you know? um, but I enjoyed it I shot the pictures two ways because again I had my idea of how I wanted the pictures and the client had her idea mm. how she wanted the pictures um, uh, I wasn't complacent about it and I wasn't arrogant about it but uh, she'd done shoots before and the guy who she'd shot with before had done pictures a certain way which were quite, you know, what we call cliché pictures, you know? You, know, the, you had to know those sort of type things. Yeah, the forced know? poses. Yeah, the forced poses and the sort of hand on the hip and the, you know, the uh, twee, if you ask me, you know? Um, uh, and I wanted to do it a little bit freer you know, I wanted to make it a little bit more, you know, I didn't, with my my feelings attached to it. So I shot it two ways. And the client said, well, I think I'm not paying for the extra film. I said, well, okay, fine. So I actually, at the time, I shot, I was shooting on a, I can't remember, it was either a Bronica 6.6, an old Bronica 6.6. It was probably, at the time, 20 years old, you know, um, or a 6.45, I can't remember. I think it was a 6.45. Um, uh, so I shot... Half a roll of film her way and half a roll of film my way. Um, because obviously budgets and things, you know. Um, uh, and she used all the pictures that I had set up, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So it gave me a little bit of confidence that there was a certain ability that you perhaps have, you know. Um, and there's one of the pictures that you, you have to see. If this is going to be, I don't know how this is where this goes on the, uh, on the internet as a or whatever, or a streaming thing. You have to put this. There's certain pictures that that uh, are very significant, you know, during your career. Right. And there's a picture that was taken on that particular shoot, which I have to show you because it's uh, it's it looks like a. Uh, this is going to sound a little bit complacent, but it looks like a 1950s classic picture from um, from Cecil Beaton or from Horse P. Horse, with the atmosphere, the styling, and the the the, the environment that I shot it in. Um, and I like that, you know. And now I, uh, ever since then, I've always pursued the classic line. I've always looked for uh, the couture and the bridal wear, um, uh, the nice lines, you know, which uh, I get excited by because it's something that creates a, a mystery and a romance and a, um, and like a, not like a sense of history, but a sense of style, you know. Um, it's, it, I, how do you negotiate the whole idea is that mm. you have a particular style a particular way of seeing that they're hiring yeah. you for they yeah. say we like the way this guy sees yeah. but then also they have spe specific things in mind yeah. in terms of their pictures they may have a layout yeah. uh, in mind and they yeah. want a certain you know a certain look to the pictures and oftentimes they can come into conflict with what yeah. w the way you see it you, you know what I'm saying yeah. in terms of you don't want to just give them what they're asking for because <coughs> that may not necessarily be what they need. Yeah. So how do you how do you negotiate um, that when you're on a, on a shoot? These days, I think it, um, I think I mentioned this yesterday. There's a um, again, this is a, this is a, not 
always the case because you always have to be you always have to be sort of flexible with what the client's needs are. Um, I've grown up in a quite a commercial environment. Um, um, even in the sort of areas that I've been working in that haven't been directly as in directly as in shooting. I've worked in environments of production for photography. I've worked as a, um, a representative for a big studio in London where I had to go and sell the services of seven photographers. Mm. Um, uh, and I, had, I got used to being in that commercial environment and providing a client with what they needed and that served the purposes for, for their objectives. Because there's no point in taking a job from a client and uh, shooting it exactly how you want to shoot it and it not actually achieving their objectives. They've got to sell from the shots. You know? um, and if you've gone crazy and wacko, I'm a you know, temperamental sort of fashion photographer, I want to do it this way, it's not necessarily going to work. Mm. Um, I and mean, if you're, um, as you know, there's different there's different levels of photography or different areas of shooting fashion photography. You've got the people who shoot the, uh, the editorial fashion. Um, you've got the people who shoot the PR fashion, like the fashion shows, for instance. That's yeah. PR, you know, or it's shot for PR. Um, crosses over sometimes, because sometimes you'll see the, 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 the pictures from the fashion shows in the magazines. So it changes a little bit. You know? but, the, um, uh, but the editorial fashion photography is very loose and very, very free. And there's not necessarily a, uh, a need to show the garment to its best, you know. The, uh, a lot of the time they're shot with a, a, like a lifestyle feel to it. You know, more of influencing somebody about a lifestyle rather than influencing somebody about how the dress looks and the way it hangs and what have you. So you'll notice when you look through magazines that a lot of the time the people say to me when they say, well, magazine pictures, I can never see what the garment looks like. But it's not necessarily trying to get across the point of what the garment looks like. It's getting across what the lifestyle is that goes along with that particular designer or particular style of clothes and things. So, um, But I've always been in that uh, brochures and catalogues and a little bit of advertising section. Mm. So I've been quite disciplined in making sure my clients get what they want. And over the, over the years, I've managed to steer it a little bit to adapting my style of, of, of shooting, but still keeping this sort of commercial view in mind, which is probably where a lot of the successes come from, because I give the client what they need, I attach to it what I feel is my little part to it, um, the little bit of romance, the little bit of um, mystery or whatever it is, um, uh, and it seems to be successful. Well, that's, I, a, that's a good point to make, because I think oftentimes yeah. when people look at the images, they're thinking yeah. about the relationship between the model and the photographer, yeah. and not thinking about all that, that business. Well, thing. that's when you get a job. You When you get a job to do for somebody, any, any, any recording of a of a life situation, as in a human life situation. But pictures that get taken for, for, for different reasons, for the viewer, for the person who's being photographed, painted, or whatever it is, or for, an, um, uh, for an, another use. You may commission me to shoot a picture of your wife. She's being photographed from your point of view. I'm thinking about how you want to see her and, uh, and linking how she is to how you want to see her. Mm -hmm. um, uh, when it's a client that's booking me to shoot fashion pictures for them to sell the garments, it's again that the pictures are being taken for another reason. So these are things that when you're actually taking a commission on a job, um, you have to understand what the, sort of, what the needs and what the purposes of the pictures are. And when you actually get these things into the right perspective, you can then start the project around what the pictures are going to be finally used for. Yeah. Um, uh, how, do you, how do you work with, with the models? Um, 
Because with the models, most of the models mm-hmm. are professional, so they've worked with a yeah. lot of photographers. So it's not like you yeah. have to teach them how to pose, quote unquote. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. in terms of helping to collaborate, collaborate with them to help yeah. shape the yeah. vision that you have. Yeah. How do you, how do you do that? Because you're having to deal with yeah. the girls looking at you, going, you know, especially if you never worked with them before. <coughs> yeah. They're looking at you, going, sort well, of assessing you. you how much do I yeah. trust this guy yeah. to make me? look good and give me a good work experience so um like anything the re- your reputation goes before you first of all that's a uh, uh quite an important thing if i'm working with uh if i'm working with professional models i'm working with professional established model agencies in the first place so you go um as a young testing photographer for instance or a what we call a rookie photographer um who hasn't got the the um uh, hasn't got the reputation, hasn't got the pedigree. Um, there's a little bit of wariness before they even get through the door of the agency because they have this process that you go through when you start testing as a young photographer. And you've got to build a relationship with a model agency. Um, uh, many, many years ago when I was trying to find models to test with, I'm knocking on the doors or trying to make them a telephone calls to the model agencies and they're going, well, who are you? What have you shot for? Who have you shot for? We don't know you. We haven't seen your work. Um, no, we're not going to give you any models to work with. Um, so you have to come in with your pictures or go in with your pictures. So the, the relationship with the, um, that gets through to the model eventually starts off when you're dealing with a model agency. Um, so you have a certain level of credibility once you get through the door. Um, they will give you young models to test with uh, or fresh, when I say young new faces, to, to test pictures with. Um, uh, so again, you're building up a reputation there. You know? um, and by the time you've been shooting for a year, two years, three years, or four years, whatever it is, the, the, your, your reputation's there, the standard of work that you produce is there, the attitude that you have and your reputation as a person, you know, has already gone before you. Mm-hmm. Um, what will happen is a model, I'll book a model for a job and she'll talk to her booker at the model agency and they go, who is he, what's he like, what are his pictures like, what's his work like? Um, so they already have, you have a, you're in a little level of, a certain position before you start the job. Mm-hmm. Um, also, when you're, uh, if I'm doing a shoot for a client, I have a casting for the job. So I'm making a selection from, I don't know, it, it could be anything from three models to a hundred models for for, for a shoot. Um, and you're in that, you're personal. You know, you're talking with each other. They know what they're coming to the casting for. It's a job. It's a bridal wear shoot. It's a swimwear shoot. It's a, a shoot for a magazine. It's a shoot for an advert. So all this sort of. There's a sort of process that goes on. Um, if you're casting for models for testing, it's again, it's like a, it's a, a, a different, different thing. And as a young photographer looking for models to test with, that reputation thing has to start building up. So it yeah. takes years, you know. I've been shooting for oh, long enough for a long, long time, you know. So they all know about me. They all know what my reputation's like. If I'm looking for a model, for instance, in... Um, uh, I did a job in Alaska a few years ago, and I brought took all the models from New York rather than bringing them from England because it made economical sense to fly them from New York rather than fly them from the UK. Um, and uh, all the model agencies at a certain level have a, they have a link with each other. They know who they are. You know? um, uh, if I talk to, let's say, next models in New York, they'll go, oh, well, we work with another agency in the UK, like a mother agency situation, because mm-hmm. models from New York will come to London and they'll go to an established agency in London that has a relationship with the agency in New York. So again, they talk, who is this guy? You know, what's he doing? I said, well, I've got this job to shoot. I've got a 400-shot catalogue to shoot in Alaska. I'm from the UK. So imme- immediately, you're not 
Do you know what I mean? You're not yeah, a you're yeah. not a little guy who's messing around taking pictures for whatever reasons. You know, you're a serious photographer. You've obviously got a, a fair sized budget to work with. And uh, for instance, I was looking for models at a certain standard, um, and you have a certain budget. You know? And when you have a certain budget, again, you have a certain level of credibility. Because if you've got you're looking for a model and you've only got a hundred dollars to spend, they know you're small time. They know you've got you've not really sort of at a certain sort of level. Yeah. But um, I won't talk about sort of fees and model agency charts. But it's if you've got if I will have a budget, and the budget says I've got X number of thousands of pounds or or dollars or whatever it is for a model fee for the day. So again, you it's all about your credibility's there. So you, you haven't got to cross over that little barrier. Well, yeah. You know you you. It's a business, yeah, and uh, it's very challenging in, in terms of being able to maintain, yeah. you know, a certain level of income and a, a certain reputation that you can, yeah. so you can continue doing work. Yeah. But at some point, it can turn into a chore. Yeah. But when I talk to you and I've been hearing yeah. you, you still have a great passion for for what yeah. you're doing. But yeah. I know a lot of photographers who've done similar work that they burn out at some point yeah. and they just go, I, I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. Why are you still Why are you still doing it? What What is it inside you that keeps keeps this an exciting uh, way of life and, and an art um, for you? Uh, first of all, I feed off it for my self-value. I feed off it for my, for, uh, my inner energy. <coughs> um, it's always refreshing. It's always new. Um, not because I make it refreshing and make it new, but it just that's the nature of it. Um, you're traveling to different places. You're working with different people. Um, one of my biggest hates is to be in an office working with the same people every day not that there's a problem with people, but when you're in a collective environment with the same people every day, day in, day out, day in, week in, week out, month in, month in, year out, and I can't work in those environments because I get frustrated, I get claustrophobic, and I get very anxious, you know? and the, the, just the fear of being in that environment is... Um, I can't even comprehend it. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even think about it because the very thought makes me feel depressed. And doing what I do gives me self-respect um, for, for myself. It gains me respect from other people. Um, I have an ego like everybody else has, you know. And what I'm producing, other people admire it, you know. Other people pay for it. So it has a value, which gives me, again, a sense of value for myself because I've produced that. And I think that's um, uh, not about money. The amount of money doesn't matter because if I'm getting a small fee for a job, it doesn't mean to say... I'm not going to do as good a job as the high-paying fee. Yeah. Usually that's down to usage, not down to my time, if you know what I mean. You know? um, uh, I just love it. I can't explain how... You can't express these things. It's, just, it's all about your, your inner self. It's all about uh, um, a journey of enlightenment for yourself. You and know? it's a constant challenge, I think. It's constant, something yeah. that keeps you very much alive. Yeah. Keeps me young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the last yeah. question I like asking is, yeah. um, I like for an, a photographer to suggest another yeah. photographer for listeners to, to check out. Someone they right, okay. Um, so who would that be for you and why? Um, from the current affairs or from Anyone. in the world, Mr. Barry Lathigan. Mr. Barry Lathigan is a. Um, can I talk a bit? Can I talk about a little bit of um, mm. uh, a little bit of a, a little bit longer? Um, uh, many, many years ago, I was, uh, I didn't share a studio, but I worked occasionally, uh, or quite a lot, in a studio in uh, um, uh, the southeast of London, uh, um, old warehouse type studio. 
the guy who remember I told you before I used to rap for studio photographers. Mm. Post rapping for those photographers, I started rapping my own photographers as a stable of my own as an agent. You know, and one of the photographers is a guy called Colin Gibbs, very very nice, very very gentle man. Um, and one day, this uh, the studio upstairs became available, and uh, 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 Colin said to me, "Oh, he said Barry Latigan's moving upstairs." I said, Barry Latigan, Barry Latigan, Barry Latigan. He said, "Vogue photographer from the seventies." I'm thinking, oh, fantastic, isn't that wonderful, you know? Anyway, over the weeks, um, uh, what would happen is you'd come into the studio and uh, Colin wouldn't be in and the door would be locked and uh, Barry would be coming back from his swim at the early hours of the morning and say, oh, come on in and have a cup of coffee and a biscuit, you know? Very, very friendly man. Lovely, lovely, lovely man. And anyway, I asked Barry, how did you get involved in shooting fashion pictures and things? And um, he said, oh, I said, well, uh, I started shooting for the bridal wear magazines, you know? And I've been shooting bridal wear, and I've probably shot for some of the key names in shooting in bridal wear in the UK. Um, uh, and it was like a parallel, you know. Barry, if Barry started shooting bridal wear, that's fantastic. That gave me a little bit of you know encouragement, because mm-hmm. so, he's uh, uh, whether your listeners will know who Barry Latigan is. You only have to do a little bit of a search on him, and you'll find him shooting for Vogue UK, Vogue Paris, Vogue New York. Harper's Bazaar, Harper's and Queen, Glamour, all of these sort of top magazines Barry had shot for. You know? um, people, uh, the model Twiggy. Have you heard of the model Twiggy? Oh, yeah. Right, okay. Well, everybody thinks David Bailey photographed Twiggy first. It wasn't, it was Barry Latigan. Found this little quirky little skinny kid, you know, with big mm. eyes and skinny little legs. Um, uh, but don't quote me on that. I might not be 100% right, okay? Because <laughs> I'm listening to Barry telling me this, and it might be David Bailey, but it might something else. Um, which is quite funny, but irrespective. He was a... He, he was a, 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 a... God's probably the wrong word. That's probably where I'm going to get shot down here. Um, uh, a, somebody who you would aspire to, somebody who you'd think, oh, wow, that is a great photographer. I wish I could be like him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you, you get in awe of somebody like that because, and he's upstairs, you know. So anyway, I'm going through. Uh, I've always, I have a certain style about the way I shoot, and that style starts developing at a certain point. And then you're building up, and you, you're in that position where you're, you're struggling to take pictures, and you're looking for other people to give you inspiration of how your pictures should be. I think I'd already crossed over that little barrier. You know, I'd actually crossed into a level of developing my own style. But my own style at the time didn't seem to fit in. Nobody wanted it, you know. I liked the moody, dark lighting, chiaroscuro, um, uh, extreme, I don't know what you call it, low-key, you know, low-key lighting. Um, and I'd been around the magazines and they'd all said, oh, you like your pictures, they're really, really nice, but they're not really what we're looking for. Okay, uh, we like your pictures, they're really, really nice, but they're a bit dark, you know. We like everything light and bright, and I'm thinking, well, I don't want to change my pictures, you know. Um, I was in New York, and I went to see uh, Glamour magazine, funny enough, and the guy said to me, love these pictures, he said, love these pictures, but I'd like to see all of them, I'd like to see 20 pictures just like that in your book. And I thought, well, I don't want to take all my pictures exactly the same, you know. Um, so these things were happening, and I wasn't getting any work, and, uh, and you become... You come down, don't you? You mm-hmm. lose your, you lose your, your, your impetus, <laughs> and um, uh, you become very insecure about it. Anyway, one day I said to Barry, I said, "Look, Barry, I said, I don't know what's going wrong here. I mean, I'm, 
I believe I'm a good photographer. I've been working very hard at my pictures and I put a lot of effort into it. And I said, but it's the, the responses that I'm getting that seem to be very, very bad. And he said, well, come on up to the studio. He said, bring your portfolio up and spread all your pictures out all over the uh, all over his, his, his big tables. Yeah. And uh, he said, ooh, he said, I'd have been proud to have shot that. Ooh, that's really nice. How did you do that? Ooh, he said... Uh, uh, John Swinnell's been shooting pictures like that and making a fortune out of it. And Bailey's shot like this, and so and so's shot like this. He said, "Your pictures are great. There's nothing wrong with your pictures, you know. Um, there's something wrong with perhaps the people who've been looking at your pictures, you know, or you're looking in the wrong place, perhaps, mm. you know." Um, and that gave me sufficient encouragement because, uh, okay, the, the, the people involved in the in the business don't necessarily know what are good pictures or what are bad pictures. They only know what is current at that particular moment in time. Uh, a certain style. I mean, you only have to look at the fashion industry, the fashion magazines, and the trends that occur. Mm-hmm. And occasionally, they they well, they always go through little phases of being a certain way. You know? um, and I tried to stick to how I wanted to shoot. And I'd been through the process of trying to adjust the way I shot to try and fit in with the with that particular marketplace. Um, uh, not that I was arrogant and I'm going to stick to what I'm doing. I did. I was flexible and I did adjust myself and try and think. Well, okay, fine. I've got to make it an income, and so I have to change the way I shoot. But over the last few years, what's happened is the. I mean, I mentioned this yesterday. The the, the clients are now phoning me up or calling me or emailing me saying, "We love this picture. We love that picture. We love this style of picture. That's what we want." And a few years ago, I had a little. Um, you know, the banking, banking and finance and mm-hmm. industry and IT. They have this sort of these things, these little assessment things, I don't know what you call them, OP things or OB or, these ops things, I think ops, I think they're like your opportunities and your your benefits and your drawbacks and your your good bits and your bad bits. And I'm thinking, well, um, my bank sent me this little CD thing with one of these questionnaires, I think they called it auto route. And uh, I don't want to do that, I'm a photographer, a fashion photographer, I'm an artist, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I'm not interested in that stuff or um, whatever, so. Uh, anyway, my business manager at my bank said, you must do it, you know, really, just have a, what are you going to lose? I said, okay. So I spent half an hour ticking boxes and things on this little questionnaire. And uh, it, it was all about finding out what my objectives were and, you know, and what mm. my vision was and where I wanted to be in five years. And I thought, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that. And I resisted it, perhaps because of fear of where I might be in five years or whatever yeah. it was. But it set me an objective. And that objective was, well, I would like to be earning... Uh, earning enough money from shooting the pictures that I want to shoot and earning a comfortable living at doing it. Uh, this is pre-teaching, by the way. Teaching is another story. Oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's another interview. Mm-hmm. I could talk forever. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, Barry gave me that lift. You know? And I think, um, uh, and I think he, he's, uh, he's just a lovely man. I just can't, I haven't, I, I, could, I could put tears in my eyes just thinking about how nice he is and how as a person, you know? yeah, it's um, nice when you have that opportunity to have yeah. that generosity because yeah. photography yeah. Uh, is also part about sharing. Yeah. And when you have an opportunity that someone yeah. with that kind of reputation being so generous to you, that's, yeah. that's great. Special, very special man. And I, I can tell you where you'll find him. I know exactly where you'll find him on a certain day of the week or every day of the week or most days of the week. Uh, da, 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 but don't tell him I told you. Okay. <laughs> but uh, he is a lovely man. Actually, uh, another very, very dear friend of mine has been trying to. Uh, we met one day in a little coffee shop on the King's Road. Uh, I was with my friend. She's from Vienna. Very, very lovely lady. A very, very talented 
very creative person uh, that paints portraits. And she's painted a portrait of me, which is very nice. You know? um, uh, she's, we met Barry in this coffee shop. And Barry is a He's a charmer. You know, he's mm-hmm. mm, very nice young lady. Mm, sort of stuff. You know, yeah, we photographers are. We're a little bit. We tease a little bit. You know, we <laughs> um, we flatter our. You know, we flash our eyes, whatever it is. You know, uh, another little story there about meeting meeting people and things and, and what have you. Um, but anyway, my friend said I'd really like to paint him, you know. But she didn't open her mouth, you know. Fear again, mm-hmm. this thing we, we were talking about earlier. Um, and um, uh, anyway, she asked me, and I, I said, "Yeah, I'll ask Barry, and I'm sure he'll say yes." You know. Um, so, uh, but we're still trying to get together on it. You know, this is like nearly two years down the line. I said, "Louise, you know," and I met I met her in London a, a few months ago. I said, "Well, you know." Uh, Let's meet this afternoon. So we arranged to meet, and then something happened, and so we could yeah. make it, and so on, and so on. And I said, "We've got to make these things happen." You know, you've got to make these things happen. If you want to do this, you've got to make it happen. You know, and she has his number. Uh, she could phone him up. You know, and he's very approachable. He said, "Yes, I'd love to. Fantastic idea. Please, please, please." And uh, well, um, well, Louise, if you're listening, I encourage Louise, you to do. <laughs> yeah, get out and get yeah or uh, yeah. But anyway, if, I think you should interview Barry Latigan. Yeah, He's a very, right. very wonderful man. And it would be, I don't know... Um, uh, well, but thank you. I, it, very I, welcome. I look forward to looking at his work, and I'm sure yes. that listeners will really enjoy that it's as well. It's very hard to find it, actually, unfortunately. You've got to, he's, he's, not a, he's, not a very, he's not a public man, you know, whereas somebody like Bailey is a very public man. Barry's not, you know. All right. um, well, hopefully I'll, I'll be able to find a, a link or yeah. two uh, for his images. Yeah, you will do. And you'll, yeah... But thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was great. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for joining us for another episode of The Candid Frame. If you have any comments or suggestions, email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com or leave a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com. But, yeah, thecandidframe.com. <laughs> All right. Till next time, this is Ivarian X. Perella, and this is the candid frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com.